Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I'm here to declare to you that freedom and oppression from tyranny at every level is happening. That we are being delivered, we are being set free, especially from those that stem from wicked laws and legislation. And that's exactly what we discussed in last week's episode, that godly rulings are starting to crescendo and will continue as the people of God continue to take up their roles and responsibilities as delegated by Christ to declare righteousness and call for righteous actions, systems, and laws. So, I don't want to say it begins with laws and legislation, but we have to look at laws and legislation, especially what comes out of the Supreme Court. And you may ask why. Well, Here's the why. Law and legislation doesn't only protect people and property against harmful acts of others. They, the laws, the legislation, by their very nature, enforces the morals or a lack of morals in a nation, which is why it is so important, so vitally important, that the people of God stand and declare ask for, call for righteous actions, systems, and laws. Now we're at a time and a place in our nation and throughout the the whole earth that we have seen wicked laws, wicked rulings for such a period of time that there almost needs to be evidence and proof that an organization, an entity, and even people are actually abiding by and operating within the, I'll say, the laws, the nature, the character, and attributes that we see set forth in Jesus the Christ. But I'll tell you what's happening. I I don't know how many are, are aware of just this past week the all the various rulings that have come out from our Supreme Court. Now, of course, just to provide a few updates, they're still looking five months later on the, the leak or who leaked information on the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade or the draft report of, of that ruling. And that, that investigation is still ongoing. However, many are calling for, I'll say, consistency and all the the inalienable rights that have been given to us by our Creator. Just in uh, in New York, there's a congresswoman who's seeking a Department of Justice review of missing data for 3.1 million voters, which is incredible. How how is it that voices are potentially silenced? And that's not all. The Supreme Court did a concerning voting. Supreme Court threw out a ruling in Pennsylvania concerning mail-in ballots where it said that mail-in ballots weren't properly filled out. It excluded things like the date. And they also acknowledged that this needs to be corrected and updated so that, uh, regarding mail-in ballots, to improve the election administration and deter fraud even acknowledging that, hey, 
because of how the laws were and what was allowed to count, that some of the outcomes of these previous elections may have been, uh, could have been affected. But let's prevent it from impacting or affecting the outcomes of future elections, which is incredible. But then it's not just that. It's, there's the other element aspect of even election software and how the concerns from GOP lawmakers uh, with ties to who well, companies that have ties to other nations, to include China, and the potential threat of data being stolen is the duty of a nation to protect its citizens and their information, the things that belong and matter to them. Right? But as, as we continue, there's also the element aspect of the change that is occurring. And some of the laws and some of the things that have changed, especially concerning voting, we've seen an increase in. Uh, just in Georgia this week, there was a the data came out that so from the last gubernatorial primary to now, there was an increase of over seven hundred sixty-three thousand voters. So although certain groups may say or try to stir up the people with fear and say, "Oh no, your vote is being suppressed." Well, the evidence points to the opposite of that happening. And it, it's being acknowledged around the world because people should have a voice and, and should have a say in what happens to their nation. But the leaders that are selected should also be looking not just for their own welfare, but the welfare of the people. And again, we were talking about how laws and legislation are really there by their very nature to enforce morals or the lack thereof within a nation, within a society, within getting down to the community and the family and for the individual. So how can it be that there are some calling for actions like defund the police, but then hiring private security guards and spending exorbitant amounts of money it should be there for the benefit of all to enforce the, the morals, or as we were discussing last week and as Martin Luther King uh, defined, those were the godly laws or morals were, moral laws were laws that were in, a, in alignment with the law of God. It should be no different for our nation. And we should be looking out for those that, especially those that have the least voice or the smallest voice or no voice, things like our children. And the Supreme Court also, in a godly ruling, had, um, uh, which has a huge na or, or broad national impact, they also ruled that uh, communities that pay for students to go to secular private schools must also pay for them to go to religious schools. And, and of course, the, the ruling ha, you know, does affect the midterm elections, but also, or has a potential to impact the midterm elections, but it's been considered a high priority for many voters, not just 
the not just getting education, but the type of education, what's actually being taught in the school, but then the broader aspect of the people having a choice in this nation, but in others as well, right? This, this matters. What is being taught? And then with that, what, insti- what educational institutions are able to receive government funding based on their curriculum? and based on the people having a choice. They shouldn't be denied access to government funding to help them grow and to impact the people in the community, both now and in the future. So there's a lot that's, that has been happening. Um, tons in this. Um, but there are still many things that, that need to be sorted out. Back on the topic of voting, um, Things that are still out of alignment and how 30,000 voter registration encouragement postcards were sent to people illegally living in the United States. But because they were given a driver's license, they received this mail, uh, this reminder and this um, postcard encouraging them to go vote. Well, that goes against laws within the nation. There's also another... Supreme Court um, decision, and that was to declining to hear a case on personhood and when uh, or concerning uh, constitutional rights to unborn babies. So there are still things in this nation concerning laws and then some laws that need to be defined and clarified by, I'll say, the highest court in the land so that the rest of the nation can, well, I'll say, come into the moral laws set forth, those godly laws, ones that demonstrate his nature, his character, and his attributes. Now, last week we were looking and discussing how we, yes, we have a U.S. Supreme Court, but as it pertains to the spiritual realm, we, believers, the children of God, are the court, right? And we looked at Daniel chapter 7. And I'll read verses 10 and 11. It says, A fire was flowing and coming out from before him. That is the Lord. It says, Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing beside him. The court sat, and the books were opened. And then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. And in looking at that, we also examined the story of David and Goliath. Briefly, uh, went over the story of David and Goliath. And how we see, of course, this, the court in the heavenly realm, and let's not forget that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ, but the court that's seated in the heavenly realm to judge between sin and righteousness is us, believers. We have been given that that place and that position by the Lord. We saw it in, again, in, well, not yet King David, as the story goes where he was still a boy tending sheep. But it says very plainly that 
when speaking with Saul, King Saul, concerning this giant Goliath, he's recounting his, the beasts in his own life, right? There was the lion, there was the bear. The third beast that Daniel saw in Revelation was, had the body of a leper. Then there was a fourth beast, which if we look at Revelations, that was concerning the dragon and Satan himself. But it says in, in 1 Samuel 17, 36, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, I know many of you are, are probably thinking, well, yeah, but that's David. He's special. Now, you could argue that point, sure. He had a calling, a plan, and a purpose on a destiny track for his life. But let's look at more what he was doing. He was pronouncing judgment on, you could argue, the third beast, which is not to be caught up in end-time eschatology and all these other things, right? Well, let's just look at the third beast being the, I'll say, the threat of the day, the thing, person, place, whatever it is that rises up and blasphemes the Lord is in opposition to him for the day. And David pronounced judgment because clearly the spirit of the Lord stirred up within him. And he said, this must be dealt with. And he was willing to go deal with it. Uh, But if we read that story, David is taunted by this giant. And even, I'll say, ridiculed and made fun of. Um, but in verse 45, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Right? And which was, I'll say it in this way, one of David's weapons. Uh, the giant, Goliath, back in Verse 43 says, it says this, The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And what did David do? We know that David had a, a sling, slingshot, and some smooth stones. So that's all the, the giant, Goliath, focused on. But David's first thing that he has is the name of the Lord. So I'll say it in this way. We have to understand our weapons. First and foremost is the name of the Lord. Secondly, yes, he had natural weapons. He had a, a sword and a sling. And you can say, well, that's very basic and rudimentary weapon. And yes, it is. That's why, but if we look back, what did he say? I've defeated the lion. I've defeated the bear. But it was the Lord that did it, right? The Lord who delivered me from them will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine, this giant. And for anyone that's familiar with the story, yes, David overcomes the giant. So there's there's a second point I want to bring up here. There's a maturing. The Lord has given us these weapons. He's given, and by weapons, I mean in the spiritual realm with to defeat spiritual forces, Right? Actually, let's look at a, another scripture real quick. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I'll begin reading in verse 3. It's verses 3 through 8. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. Is that not exactly what David was doing there? He had been given this authority by the Lord, which we all have been given authority. All those who are the Lord's have been given this authority. And the very first thing is the name of the Lord. That is absolutely one of our weapons. It is to build up. It's not about tearing down. But it, just like it says here in 2 Corinthians, it's to destroy every lofty thing that raises up against the knowledge of God. Everything. In this case, in David's case, his third beast, if you will, began with Goliath. But it didn't end there. He had many times that, whether it was an invading army or other people or whatever it was, that rose up against what the Lord had declared and stated, not just for him and his life, but for the nation. We can look uh, even, we we'll continue in, in 1 Samuel chapter 21. I'll read verses 8 and 11 here, or 8 through 11. And this is when um, David is on the run from King Saul, even. But it says this, uh, David said to Ahimelech, Now is there not a spear or a sword on hand? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's matter was urgent. Then the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you would take it for yourself, take it, for there is no other accepted here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of his of this once as they danced? Or, excuse me, did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? So I want to look at this for a couple key points here. One, David started off with literally nothing but a sling and some small stones in the natural but he didn't stop there. He 
moved, as he always did, in the name of the Lord. But if we notice, he, he said he had a sword. He didn't have it with him at the time. But eventually he got to the point where he could wield Goliath's sword. Goliath being this giant that was over nine feet tall and, uh, and talks about so many different things of him. His spear was like a weaver's beam. And I mean, just he was a huge, huge man. And Goliath, the, the Lord threw, or the Lord used David through the sling and the small stones. And, and, and by that, I mean the weapons that he was able to wield at the time to accomplish his will and to bring down the very thing, person, whatever it was. And, and when I say person, I'm talking, yes, the individual was brought down, but the spirit behind it was our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? And we read that. Is against every lofty thing, but it, it happens first in the spiritual, and then we also see a manifestation in the natural. So I want to I bring that up to encourage you. Look, you don't need to to be considered this huge warrior for the Lord when you're like, hey, I just started this. The Lord has a place for you. You also have a seat in the heavenly realms, which we are seated in currently. We are already there. So let's take our place and the authority that Christ has given us to wage spiritual warfare. And let's mature, let's grow in the weapons that the Lord has given us so that we can wield them efficiently and effectively. And, it's, and as we look at the story of David, there, it doesn't just stop there, right? Because as we see in this, there were many battles. It talks about David uh, had slain his ten thousands. So these were people that had ro- risen up against the kingdom. He was doing beha- battle on behalf of the nation against those things that tried to exalt themselves, every lofty and vain imagination, and then tried to bring into bondage especially the people of God, but a nation dedicated after the Lord. And it also didn't end there, right? Especially if we look at the aspect of, we were talking about the aspect of the beasts. And the third beast, let's just consider that as whatever the threat is of the day. In 2 Samuel 21, David is again confronted And I'll begin reading in chapter 21, verse 15. It says, Now when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David went down, and David is king now, but it says, And his servants went with him. And as they fought against the Philistines, David became weary. Then Ishbi-Banab, who was among the descendants of the giant, that would be Goliath, the weight of whose spear was 300 shekels of bronze in weight, was girded with a new sword. And he intended to kill David. It says, But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out again with us in battle, so that you do not extinguish the lamp of Israel. But it came about after this that there was war again with the Philistines at uh, Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushathite, struck down Saph, who was among the descendants of the giant. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob. 
and Elhanan, the son of Jerorgim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath, the Gittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was war at Gath again, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number. And he also had been born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. I'll bring this up because we see again there was another threat. There were continued threats. There were four more additional giants that came, each doing the exact same thing. These four were born to the giant of Gath. They fell by the hand of David, by the hand of his servants. But it says that when he defied Israel. So each of these giants, these, these people that you would say in natural terms, the natural application would be not unlike the third beast, speaking boastful, blasphemous words, operating in and by and through the power given to this, the beast, um, Satan, the adversary, being like him, right, in boastful words and blasphemies and all, all sorts of things, each of them rose up. Well, it wasn't just David that was fighting. There was a whole group of people fighting, operating and utilizing the weapons given to them, not just slings and stones, but they were already at various places of maturity in their, their life, but also in knowledge of and use of the weapons of their warfare. Right, we, we read the one scripture in 2 Corinthians 10. I want to read to you another one. And it comes from Revelation 12, 13. It says, uh, sorry, yes. Revelation chapter 12, excuse me. We're going to begin in verse 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night, and they, that is talking about us, the saints, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. So David said his very first weapon after being, when the the giant Goliath, taunted him. He said that he came in the name of the Lord, which is a weapon. But there's also this, right? We have the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is also a weapon. And let's not forget this other fact. If we go to Ephesians chapter 6, We have the whole armor of God. I'll read to you verses 10 through 19, which says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I read an additional verse. I read verse 20. But I say that to say this. You are all, all, if you are in the faith, if you believe in the Lord Jesus the Christ, you, and have, have acknowledged him in his rightful place, and you also are an ambassador of Christ. So with boldness, go forth in, in the weapons that he's given you. There are many here, many, right? Truth was a weapon. Yet there was a breastplate of righteousness. So righteousness, another weapon. Preparation of the gospel of peace. Right? The shield of faith. So faith is a weapon. And salvation is a weapon. And not just that, but then we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. In other scripture, the Lord talks about how his word is a fiery two-edged sword that proceeds out of his mouth. And then there's this, this in verse 18. With all prayer and petition. Prayer is a weapon. It's also just a conversation, how we communicate with our God. We're encouraged to pray at all times in the Spirit. And to, and to be on the alert. But prayer, prayer is a weapon. How did Jesus conduct his life? He said what the Father said, and he did what the Father did. Yes, so the Lord will be glorified. But it's also how we win the battle. David, throughout his entire life, only, well, not only, but there are many times it says in Scripture how he, he may come up with a plan, but he always brought that plan before the Lord. And then even when he would seek the Lord, he was like, Lord, do I go do the same thing as last time, or do we do something new? And the Lord would give him the instructions even in the moment. Even in the moment. And we have to understand these, these weapons. Right? They, they matter, and they're for all believers. If you are in the faith, if... The Lord is your God, and you are his servant. 
then we all have these weapons available to us. But just like any anything, we have to grow and mature in them and in their use. And, and I say this because the Lord also gave us his authority, right? Mark 16, beginning in verse 17, says this. He says, These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up servants, serpents, excuse me, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We already read about how he's given us authority. He gave us his name. If they ask anything in my name, right? So we have these weapons available to us. And I know some may say, okay, well, that was, that was David. But it's not just David. I'll give you another example. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Now, Moses was, and I'll say it in this way, the Lord chose Moses to deliver a nation out of captivity. When we look at laws, we look at legislation. Again, they, the laws and the legislation, by their very nature, only enforce either the morals or the lack of morals in a nation. They either are freeing to people and allow people the opportunity to live in freedom and provide opportunity to all, or they by their very nature provide inconsistency and resulting in bondage. So, and I know there are many listings of this that are, are probably going, and we really look at even the laws of this nation. Is the land of the free and the home of the brave really free? And are we really being brave? Or have we been put in bondage? So I would encourage you to be brave. And brave, and as we read, be bold in your faith and in preaching and teaching the word and standing in your place or the position the Lord's given you, seated in heavenly places with Christ, declaring, judging between the holy and the profane. Now in Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 13. It says, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The Lord God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he, that is the Lord, said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. But not only that, we, if we continue reading in this, the section, he, Moses, is given these, I'll say, powers. The Lord teaches him and shows him, hey, these are the weapons that you have. 
take down, and that's in chapter 4, right? And he says, take down your staff, throw it on the ground, all right? And it became a serpent before him. And then he said, now take it up in your hand, and it became a staff again. But then he also um, shows him about the, the hand being leprous, and then it being restored. And he talks about these, these additional signs, right? About pouring out water onto the ground and it becoming blood. And things that were going to happen that he was going to use when speaking to both the children of Israel and the elders of the Israelites. And let's also, I'll say, understand this fact. The elders of the Israelites were supposed to accompany Moses. Um, it says that in, in chapter 3, verse 18. They will pay heed to what you say, speaking about the elders, uh, and you, with the elders of Israel, will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Now, the Lord also gave additional instruction and insight, saying, I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion. So then we see all these signs that the Lord is preparing and had prepared Moses to do this. Now then Moses um, makes this request of the Lord, and this is something that we see throughout Moses' life and how he conducted himself. And that's in chapter 4, verse 13. It says, But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. And the Lord sends Aaron as a, a mouthpiece of the Lord. But uh, that, that one line, that one request statement, if you will, from Moses to the Lord, send the message by whomever you will is a request that still echoes today. The Lord has given each believer authority, the ability to call on his name. These weapons, signs, and wonders from the Lord in order to carry out in the spiritual realm that will then impact and will see manifested in the natural realm the things that the Lord has, has dictated and desires for his people. And as if we continue in this story, the story of Moses and the deliverance of the Israelites, the children of Israel, we see how, yet we see Pharaoh's heart, you could say, being hardened, but he says this very interesting thing to Moses when they go in and confront him. He says that he doesn't even know Moses is God, or his Lord. Uh, that's in chapter 5, verse 2. He says, uh, we'll, we'll begin with verse 1 on chapter 5. It says, And afterwards Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. In 
I'll say judging. We have to look at what's happening here. And this is a part of the, the weapons of our warfare. We talked about the word of God and the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, being a weapon. Well, what is that word? That word is whatever the Lord said to say. And we see prior to this, I'll say, meeting with Pharaoh, the Lord had already given Moses exactly what to say. You will go to him and you will say this, but I know that Pharaoh will do this. He was already given what to say and what to do. It was just a matter of when the Lord would have him say it or do whatever the Lord was telling him and directing him, commanding him to say or do. So he had to say what the Lord said to say. He had to do what the Lord said to do, how the Lord said to say it or do it. And you find this throughout the entirety of the process that the Lord used Moses to deliver the people, which goes, we get to literally chapter 12 and 13 here. But then not only that, even after they, the Israelites thought they were delivered, the enemy came for them again. And that is where the Lord removed, completely removed that enemy, that threat, that, if you will, third beast of the day from being a an issue anymore in their lives. But that wasn't the only, and I say threat of the day because if we continue with that story, the story of Moses and the literally the first five books of the Bible, there were many other threats. They went to war multiple times. But the Lord moved every time on their behalf. They just had to keep in alignment with what the Lord was saying to say and do what he was doing and wanted them to do. He provided everything that was needed because he's the Lord. He already knows. We then just need to take our place with him. We will see these signs and wonders. And again, these are spiritual things. But what is, we just read this in the scripture from Mark. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Right? Nothing will harm them. It's exactly what Paul described in 2 Corinthians. We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of forces, destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. The exact thing that we read about in Ephesians 6. So we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Because the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I were instructed to take up the full armor of God, utilize all the weapons he has given us. So I just want to encourage you to do that today. We are continuing to see this crescendo of godly ruling start or happening, and it will continue as long as 
we, the children of the Lord, take up our roles and responsibilities delegated by Christ and declare and call for righteous actions, systems, and laws. And by that, I mean bringing everything into alignment and subjection with the Lord, with His laws, that our laws, the laws of man, would be in alignment with the laws of God and His laws only, as, as laws do, enforce His morals. They enforce and call to us to demonstrate Christ's nature, character, and His attributes in every area and aspect of our lives. That is how a nation becomes truly blessed, how there is equality among all. Laws and legislation can never legislate love. It is an impossibility for laws to legislate love. We have to first be filled with love, and that love only comes from Christ, and it's reciprocated first to the Lord and second to our neighbor as ourself. So let's take our place. We are already seated in heavenly places with Christ. Let's take our place in order to judge from separating the holy from the profane, but also teaching others how to do the same. Just like we saw with with Moses, it was, it was actually Aaron that is the one that threw down his staff. So we see that teaching element happen. And then we saw it with David and the descendants of Goliath. David is not the one that struck them down. He had taught others that came up and matured how to do the same, how to eliminate evil and remove wickedness, how to bring down spiritual strongholds and see that manifest in the natural. So I just want to encourage you with that this evening. And I encourage, and I thank you for joining us here on Matters of Life, a show that only seeks to stand for righteousness and justice. We love you. God bless you. And have a good night.